strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another edition of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we dive into the power of great hospitality. We're going to review Danny Myers setting the table. We are also having on a great guest later on, the owner of Lombardi's. He's had quite the journey, to say the least. He's based in New York City now after a long time abroad. Uh, Andrew Bellucci. So we're really excited to get him on the horn. But before that, uh, we're excited to have Corey back, who has conquered Corona. Officially, <laughs> yes, he's feeling yes. back, finally. Corey, it's great to have you back, man. What's been going on here? Hey, yeah, I'm excited to be back. Not much at all. Um, you know, obviously, it's been quarantine life for me. But on top of that, you know, I've really... I was actually just telling Sarah the other day, because she's bored out of her mind... And I was like, you know, it's not that bad, but that's just because I just started feeling better. And, you know, I had like a 10 to 12 day stretch where I was just like laying in bed miserable and it was awful. But now it's like I'm feeling better. So I just I'm not that bored yet. So I was going to say, you look look fantastic right now. You look like a lean machine. (laughs) You look like you haven't gotten a haircut in like two months, but it's poofy in like a cool way. Yeah, yeah you got like the Odell on. Beckham thing going on. You, you look good, man. <laughs> I dig it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I mean, Corey, you know, was there ever was there ever a point where you like thought that you were gonna go to the emergency room and like where you where you were really like, oh man, this is I'm scared right now. This is crazy. Yeah, there is uh, one a couple nights. I I woke up just like not being able to breathe, like coughing my lungs out. Where I was just like, holy shit, like do I have to wake Sarah up and take me to the hospital? And they had this whole procedure pretty much where if they told me to just rest, take like extra strength Tylenol. Um, they gave me some cough medicine, some other stuff, but they were like, if you feel like you can't breathe, call this number, they'll pretty much guide you into getting into a hospital safely. So you don't infect any other, per- any other um, people at the hospital. And you know, so it was like a whole to do, but I woke up coughing so bad. I mean, I, the cough was bad the entire time, like the last, the second week. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, I really couldn't breathe at certain points. Even like my first workout um, I did on Friday or Saturday, it was still really tough. Like, I mean, I, I feel like I'm just now fully recovered. You didn't even know like for a week if you had it, right? Like they yeah. took a week to get back to you. Yeah, so I got tested on Friday. I think it was like the the eighth, maybe or or the eighth, ninth, or tenth. One of those days. It's all blur now. But they told me three to five days weekends count. It wasn't on business days, so I was expecting to hear pretty much by Monday the latest. I actually didn't hear until the f- that following Saturday. So it took over. It was like eight to ten day process. But my doctor called me at some point. They're like, listen, you have all the symptoms. You pretty much have it, um, you know, as far as we know. But the reason I actually, I had no symptoms initially 
which was the weird part. Um, I felt completely normal. I think I woke up Wednesday um, of the week that I got tested and my legs were just in extreme pain. And I did like work out pretty heavily the last like three weeks prior. So I didn't know if it was just like a soreness, um, you know, whatever. I was just like, um, you know, my whole body was just aching, but that was it. Um, And then luckily I had a CAT scan that I had to get done for another health reason. And they saw instantly the guy called me that like an hour after I got home, he was like, yeah, I just looked at your CAT scan quickly and you have like some crazy infection in your chest. And that was the start of it. So he's like, yeah, the next day, you know, I would recommend contacting your primary care physician um, and scheduling an appointment to get tested. So I did that and they only tested after 3.30 p.m. So that whole experience, it was like the beginning of pretty much Corona entering New York. I feel like there's maybe 60, 70 cases at this time. So they didn't know what the hell was going on. And they pretty much like I had to get a mask, wear it there. They had this woman come who was like literally straight out of a movie in, you know, the full gear, take me into a private elevator up to some crazy floor. They did the test, which is pretty much like a stick like this big, and they just put it up in your nose and each nostril, and that's it. It takes like literally 30 seconds, and then I didn't hear back for eight days. But if I didn't have that CAT scan, honestly... I probably wouldn't have known for at least four or five more days, probably would have went out in terms of like grocery shopping, daily life things, just getting things in order and probably would have got more people infected. Well, it seems like at at least seeing like, you know, I'm in New York also, and it's been the last couple of weeks, you've definitely seen people have taken the isolation, stay away from people and stay indoors seriously. Like I've gone on walks and runs and I make sure to, I literally, every time I'm out, I avoid people at more than arm's length where I'll turn other directions if I see people and I'll like hop yeah, to the other yeah. side of the road. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, though, people have definitely done a great job in New York from what I've seen, Corey, lately of trying to keep this thing contained. Yeah. I mean, obviously a city like New York, it's just impossible. It was going to happen one way or another. Um you know, just with the transit system and, and everything, it's obviously get people from all parts of the country that have been traveling. It was just, it, it was an inevitable that New York was going to be a hotspot for this. And it's crazy you were at the forefront of getting sick from it. Like one of the first cases yeah. here has now the treatment, not even the treatment, the uh, testing is so much more rapid with the results off since yeah. a couple weeks ago when you got this. And now we're hearing about, you know, this treatment that supposedly works, this cheap malaria drug that Trump approved to go through, through a, this is pretty crazy. My buddy, Jeff Gottlieb from IU, you know, Gottlieb guys, yeah. we're going to actually have him on the podcast. His best friend from growing up, one of his best friend, childhood friends found this case study of a cheap malaria drug working for this and tweeted about it. Elon Musk retweeted it. And Trump saw Musk's tweet and started diving into this. And basically, reading between the lines, Big Pharma knew about this, of course. It's in their best interest to be developing cures for these things. But it's crazy to think about that, where whether you love or hate Trump, like he went out of his way here to immediately just want treatment for people. He clearly cares about human lives. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. I think Trump 
cares more about getting the world back to normal because he doesn't want the economy to fall apart. But wait, back to what Corey was saying. What was crazy, in my opinion, about everything going on with Corey, like you said, he was one of the first people to come out and have this, at least in my network. You were the first person where there was somebody I knew, not even somebody who I knew who knew somebody. There wasn't even that at the time. You were it. You were the person yeah. that made this all a reality for me, where I was like, okay, this is as real as it gets. Corey has it. And then what was even crazier was seeing your experience with waiting for the tests go on while on TV, they were trying to say that 45 minute or same day test results and all these things that were just not true because here you were in New York. And you were our friend, our employee, our co-host on this podcast who week later were like, yo, did you get the results back? And you're like, nope, not yet. And we're like, damn, <laughs> like this is crazy because these people on TV are saying 24 hours, two hours, five minutes, 48 hours, whatever. Here you are in New York and it took over a week. And for anyone who doesn't know, Corey, you're a damn workhorse. And yeah. obviously Mike and I had no idea how serious the coronavirus was, whether it was you or just anything in general. So we're, you know, we have our group text going, the three of us, where we're just talking about the business and stuff like that. And we were just going about those texts in a normal way, even once we find out that you had the virus, because we just, you know, with the relationship we all have, it's kind of yeah. work when you're feeling up to it, don't work when you're not feeling up to it or whatever. And behind closed doors, like not in that text message, Mike and I were talking internal and we were like, damn, dude, Corey is downplaying this. He's in really, really bad shape right now. And the reason I knew that is because you were hardly responding. You'd occasionally like a text message <laughs> that we'd send. And it was like, oh, man, like he is not doing well right now. And he's trying to keep us calm and tell us, like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing better than yesterday. I'm doing better than yesterday. And like seven days well, after you're saying you're doing better. a little better each day. And then that day when you're like, oh, I'm feeling much better. I'm like, oh, Corey's getting back. That's when it was, yeah. he's turning a corner. What was funny is that like at first – it really kind of was like that. Like I, I was feeling a little bit better each day. I couldn't tell. Like I still had like, you know, a headache, leg pains, but I was functional. Like I had no congestion. My throat didn't hurt. Like I didn't feel like I was just achy as hell. And then you're right. The one day I, I literally just, I couldn't do anything. I think Mike and me, you, yeah, we we're on a group chat. Mike texted us about, you know, starting these uh, ski area resorts and New York City restaurants and I couldn't even like lift my hands to response. And <laughs> you're trying to hop on a call and I just liked the message. And that was like the initial day I was like, fuck, like I am not okay. And luckily things just got better from there. But it was weird though, because I, I was feeling like, like I was working. Um, I mean, we, I never had so many restaurants contact me in this, the last two, three week stretch. Of course, during this time, it was like nonstop. But I was like, you know, trying to, play off every day like it was normal and I was feeling okay and then that day was the day that I was like shit I can't do anything right now <laughs> yeah that's wild so wait was there like when you obviously went and got the cat scan it was for a completely different reason at that time were you yeah. not feeling any symptoms at all yeah no symptoms like I had to fill out a form I didn't have temperature that before I got the cat scan because it's a it's a room filled with 
a lot of older people because a lot of older people are getting MRIs and CAT scans. And there's, you know, you, so I had to fill, I had to take my temperature. I didn't have fever. I just had leg pain. And yeah, as soon as I got back, they said, yeah, I see this thing in your chest, but I had no chest pain. I wasn't coughing at the time. And I was kind of in shock, to be honest with you. The worst part about everything was um, the night sweats. Like I would wake up, literally my shirt would be completely drenched. Like if I just like jumped in a pool and I would go through two to three shirts a night, like, and I was freezing. So it's not like I could sleep with my shirt off. It was so brutal. Um, and yeah, like I, I honestly went through 30 shirts in a 10 day stretch just to sleep. Holy crap. So was Sarah kind of freaking out? I mean, did you guys have any special precautions you were taking around the apartment? What you guys live in? Like basically what? Is it a studio or a one bedroom? It's a studio. I mean, it's a larger studio as far as studios go, but, um, yeah, we had an air mattress set up. We kind of distanced ourselves as much as possible. Um, but yeah, she, she's good. She didn't have any symptoms. She hasn't had fever. She's fine. Luckily. I don't know if she got it before and kind of gave it to me (laughs) because the the crazy (laughs) part is that we all work from home. Like we're pretty much quarantined besides going out in daily life. I didn't really do much the previous weeks before I had it besides go to the gym where they told me that's probably where I got it. But like, I was like, you know, sanitizing after every single uh, workout I did. I mean, it, it was just weird for me of all people to get it. I work from home. I don't go out all that much. And it was just bizarre. Yeah, man. I remember when you brought it, because I know I saw you for coffee, like, probably a week before you even were, you know, not even having symptoms, but being told you had to get tested. And I'm like, oh, well, let me, uh, I guess, see how the next couple weeks go here and knock on wood. But I've been fine for, I saw you a month ago point well what they told me that they told me that um basically you really can't pass it along until you get actual symptoms Mm. this is what my doctor told me so i didn't get symptoms until like seven eight days after i even saw you um so that's super interesting the doctor told you that because that's like very counter to what a lot of people are saying different things yeah i heard other things that's what she told me because the first thing I said, like, I mean, besides Mike, I saw a few of my friends, I saw my parents who are older. And, um, you know, I said, do I need to tell anyone that I have it? And she was like, no, um, everyone should be fine because you just kind of getting your symptoms now. And you shouldn't have most likely didn't pass anything along. So, so I don't know if that's it, accurate, but it's tough to so far, everyone around me, it's been okay. If that's accurate, that gives me like a ton of peace of mind because I like go into these grocery stores and, you know, obviously I'm just like, I've been going, I've been obviously social distancing myself and doing the quarantine stuff, but I, you know, probably going to grocery stores every three days just to load up. And every time I go, I'm like super, just, you know, a little paranoid, get home, obviously wash my hands, shower up. But the whole time, what I've been thinking to myself is anyone could have it i wouldn't know and like everyone stay the fuck away from me but if you're telling me and obviously who really knows like your doctor like i don't know i'm not saying your doctor this was actually sorry yeah no sorry to interrupt but this was actually from basically when you get it and test positive the state calls you and they ask you a ton of questions um so this was like their guidelines so i don't i mean i don't know if this woman was a doctor just is repeating what she's been told but that's who it was from actually Interesting. What were some of the other questions, if you remember? They asked me if I lived with anyone. 
Um, like they wanted to know you know, where she worked and all of that stuff. They asked me if I've taken an Uber, transit. They kind of tracked my progress since I got tested or a couple of days before that. So they actually, like Mike, I saw Mike the previous Friday, I got tested. They didn't even track anything until the Monday of that week. That's when mm-hmm. they said, you know, you probably got it. So were they like trying, uh, once you told them, yeah, I live with my girlfriend and she works here. Were they like, oh, well, we need to get her in here and everyone from her work? Or were they just like, all right? Yeah, they didn't. Um, I mean, I didn't really want to give information about her. So she didn't really feel comfortable. So I didn't really get too far into it. Kind of kept that on the down low. But, um, you know, yeah, she, she uh, she's fine. Nice. But they, they did. They asked me like every possible question about where I was and it was just pretty crazy. It was like instant. As soon as I tested positive, an hour later, um, the state called me and just asked me all those questions. That's wild. That yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you, you kind of like feel like you're walking on water right now? Because I almost like just to create a <laughs> visual right now for the listeners, I kind of imagine like this dark world that we're all living in. And then there's Corey like on the other side <laughs> in sunshine, waterfalls, ocean, like all like the COVID-19 people that have gotten over it they're just like in this other category where they're just able to like live on peacefully shrugged. yeah I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie Contagion but it was with Matt Damon in 2011 pretty much exactly predicted this exact scenario it's actually very eerie to watch because everything that is happening now is exactly what happens in the movie but he's like the only person immune to it because he already had it. And I guess his body's just immune to it. And everyone else is freaking out. And he's just like walking around without a mask and regular. I, I kind of feel like that. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. you know, once you get it, you can't get it again. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, I find it interesting that the mask thing, like even uh, I know dad sent us, Dan and I, Corey, my dad sent us this uh, YouTube video of this ICU doctor this morning. And I was under the impression until I watched that, that this was an airborne disease where it was something where you could breathe in. Uh, obviously, it's one thing if someone's sneezing in front of you, that's a whole nother ball game. but you'll get sick regardless of what it is. But it what really I thought was interesting, and this is for all our listeners, something to keep in mind, washing your hands and keeping your hands off your face is yeah, really yeah. the proponent here to stay healthy. So I've, I've been washing my hands to the point of excess where I had eczema as a kid, where very, Dan, you remember that, very bad dry hands. I, I've actually gotten used to it now, but at first, about a week ago, my hands started bleeding. I was washing them so much. I got like the antibacterial alcohol swabs. I've been like overkill with it, but it's important. Try to really avoid touching your face. We all do it without even realizing it so many times a day. What's two that? to 3,000. You, you touch your face on average two to 3,000 times a day. How wild it's absurd. Is that? so It's that's funny, a, though, because... Yeah, the ahead, gloves Mike, and masks, I was just going to say. That's, that's the reason people should be wearing gloves and masks, is just to avoid having your uh, face touched by your hands after touching something. So it's really a surface contact virus where... That's how people are getting sick, by touching something that someone else touched, not washing their hands, and then touching their face. And then I think about yeah. that when you go grocery shopping. It's like, literally, how many people have touched other boxes and then put it back? Whatever you're touching, it's like, that's 
it's it's disgusting. Like grocery stores should be giving out gloves at the entrance. Like they should be forced to do that. Yeah, I agree. That's why the delivery, I've been ordering a ton of delivery and I've been obviously, I think it's way, it's very important that you're better off ordering prepared food right now. It's less germs. And also yeah. you're, what I've been doing is even when they drop off the bag, the no contact at the door, I'll get it. And then I'll put swabs over the bag, like wipes on the back, just being like, oh, you know what? I can't be over cautious here. So I've like bought yeah. access with that just off of who knows. But yeah, I've been to CVS and, you know, just tried to not touch my face around there and wash my hands quickly when I get back. There's no doubt the grocery stores feel like hotbeds. Like you go in them. First off, Whole Foods feels great because you feel like you're in like a misty refrigerator the whole time even though you're probably not but just the way the atmosphere is in there just seems like they're like constantly circling in fresh air but here's the things with the grocery stores that like i've realized in my head are the things so a and it's not even just grocery card or grocery stores but the whole credit card handing somebody a credit card and then getting it hand back i hate that even yep. with the ID, like if you're like buying wine, handing the ID and then getting it back, I hate that. And then also, if you're doing like the self credit card, when you put it in and then you have to like press credit, like just pressing that button on that credit card machine that you know every other person's pressing, you know when you're doing it, you're like, oh man, this is fucked. Like I shouldn't be doing this right now. Luckily, they give out the sanitizer wipes like when you're walking in to put on your actual cart and things like that. The funny thing is I notice it every time because I've definitely been realizing when I want to touch my face and I'm sure I still do it 2000 times a day. But the funniest thing is every time I walk into a grocery store within seconds of walking in, like my eye starts itching and I'm just like, <laughs> and then I'm like sitting there like squinting my eye, like trying to not touch it, walking around the grocery store, like being super conscious of it. I will say I was not much of a hand washer before the coronavirus and I've been, I'm like such a good hand washer now. And I think this is something that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life. Like I sure. think I'm going to be great about washing my hands. Like I take miles out, I wash my hands. I do anything. I, I've been washing my hands probably like five times a day, which for me is a lot. And I feel great. Uh, doing. That's the easiest way to avoid getting sick is washing 100%. your hands a lot. And it has to be, yeah. the big thing is though, is 20 seconds having it with that warm enough water and where you're building up foam in the soap. That, that's part of where I think people screw up with hand washing. So for our listeners, the key to washing your hands is having the water, not scalding hot, but hot enough and you're foaming up your hands, like the bottom and top of your hands. And you want them going on for 20 seconds. That's like an official, legit hand, hand wash. So that See, puts I feel you like I'm not doing it. Well, there you go. Step it up. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you said that. I'm also going to say this was more, this was going to be in my food news, but it's just so hand in hand with what we're saying that also because we run these food delivery app sites, I felt the need to put this up there. But in general, eating food is low risk, and there has not been any evidence to show that coronavirus is transmitted by eating food. In addition, coronavirus in general are not stable at high temperatures, so it is highly likely that cooking food will inactivate the virus. Cold foods, we don't know how long the virus remains infectious on cold foods. However, for things like produce that you would pre 
presumably washed prior to eating, that should rinse off any virus. This is the part, though, that was really cool, I thought. When you eat any kind of food, whether it be hot or cold, that food is going to go straight down your stomach where there is high acidity, low pH environment that will also inactivate the virus. So like your stomach kills the virus. So I used to worry like, oh, if I'm getting Chinese food and the person that's making my Chinese food has the coronavirus and they're just like whipping it up, I'm freaking out that when I eat it, I'm screwed. But this is basically saying it's okay to eat the coronavirus. Your stomach's going to kill it. So that just That's makes me feel great. Drink water every 15 minutes. That was another tip to swallow yeah. the bacteria and it, it helps kill it and put it through your system. Yeah, I pretty I much def- only, I just drank water, like uh, drank a lot of hot tea and soup. And that was pretty much my diet for like 10 days. It was, wow. it was brutal. Yeah. Or you, you're a lean machine right now. Like your arms are still as jacked as normal, but like you look like you have like a 12 pack under that shirt. It's, uh, it's impressive. <laughs> Marvel's yeah, Marvel's not eating diet. Superheroes. Corey, there did you actually lose weight? Is there like a number yeah. that you lost? like? How much weight? I didn't actually check um, how much, but I mean, it has to be like between five and ten pounds. Wow. Yeah. At least that's a. Uh, because, you know, also, like, late night, I would always eat, and now I'm kind of back to that, but I just wasn't hungry at all. I mean, the, the whole day, but especially, like, if I did eat, it would be soup, and then, like, I would eat at, like, 6 or 7 o'clock, and then I wouldn't eat again to the next day, and it would just be, like, such minimal food. Wow. that might, Yeah, see, that's the toughest thing when guys like us just, like, live to eat. And when you Dude. aren't hungry, it's just like, like, I look forward to eating. So without that, yeah. what the hell is going on here? Yeah, like now that I'm back to normal, it's like, that's what I'm looking forward to, especially being in a quarantine, not doing shit. That's the only thing I've been thinking about is, all right, what am I going to eat for my next meal? So Corey, were you back at it with like a Sunday night food coma last night on that note? What was, what's oh, been yeah. like with the appetite? Um, it's been back to normal the last like three, four days. Um for lost time with like eating like absolute shit randomly <laughs> i haven't been eating like absolute shit yet but i actually I, I did have a nice burger and some fries that was like kind of my shitty meal i was like i just need to soak this up and and get a good meal in I had a steak dinner last night yeah kind of getting back to normal that's your definition of like going to town on shit like oh, a burger and fries <laughs> and a steak it's like most people there's like oh yeah man i went i got a big mac some pizza some donuts that were fried ice cream well he did say a burger he probably means a big mac <laughs> no, Corey is not a big mac kind of guy no chance at least not lately i can't see that yeah, so wait i'll, I'll leave so that up for imagination give me a yes or no on symptoms. I'm going to ask you if this was one of the symptoms. Yes or no. All right. Yeah. First, stuffy nose. No. Sneezing. No. Dry throat. Did your throat hurt? Nope. This is, I love hearing this. is why. Because you're like, Dan is starting to feel sick and he wants to make sure he doesn't. Well, no, the- these are, these are the things that I wake up with almost every morning. And then like, you know, 30 minutes later, I feel fine. But like every morning I wake up and I'm like, fuck, do I have it? All right, let's keep going here. Constipation. Um, I, when I was sick, I didn't go to the bathroom for about seven to 10 days. I'd say there was, I mean, I wasn't eating a lot, but I don't think I was constipated per se, but I just, I wasn't digesting any food and I, I didn't go to the bathroom for quite some time actually peeing was painful 
Oh. Peeing was painful. It was oh man. Yeah. I, my next question was diarrhea, but it sounds like you were more constipated than than the diarrhea, even though yeah. you don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I was. I, I'd say that came after. I'm pretty sure diarrhea is like a way to fight off disease. So uh, yeah, that definitely came at the end. I feel like what I had diarrhea on and off for like 33 years. Like that's not. <laughs> Mike's ass really is just constantly that. fighting off disease. Yeah, like I guess my asshole just being like, Mike, we got your back here on like a bi-weekly basis. <laughs> the last one, did you throw up at all? Didn't throw up, but I was very nauseous. Like er- everything I th- that, like food just sounded so disgusting to me. And if you know me, that is not how I am um, at all. And it sucked. I, I that's hated like it. Weird though, where that's like the worst tease too, right? Where it's almost like blue balls, the opposite. Where when you're nauseous, you want to just puke to get it up, because that feeling afterwards then is relief. Where it's like ah, right. you know. But when you can't puke, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. You're just like it's like being on a boat out at sea, uh, where it's like oh yeah. fuck, I'm not gonna be at shore now for days. Yeah, it, it it was brutal. That was definitely the worst part about the whole thing. That the night sweats. Um, the body aches was, was definitely the biggest, um, or the, the first symptom that I got. Wow. So if anyone is experiencing any body aches, I would definitely recommend checking that out. So what would you do, Corey, any recommendations for people that aren't feeling well, what they could do to help cope with the, all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, as long as you are able to breathe or you don't need to go to the hospital, just take extra strength Tylenol, the max amount. I believe it's six a day. Spread that out. Um, drink as much water, hot tea, soup as possible. Rest. Um, there's really not much you can do. It's like pretty much having the flu, but you just got to kind of just let your body and your immune system beat it. Um, and then just Dayquil and NyQuil. Just pound that stuff. And, you know, cause the, the worst part also was I, the, the first week I couldn't sleep. So... I was like hungry, but I couldn't eat. I was nauseous. I was sweating at night. And like I would take NyQuil or, or whatever cough medicine I had and it would knock me out, but for like three, four hours. And then I would wake up at like 2 a.m. I, I think I was texting you guys one time at like four o'clock in the morning. It's just like I just woke up. I couldn't go back to sleep at all. So, wow. and now I'm just on like a, just a regular cycle. It's weird. Like I'm naturally tired at 10 o'clock. I'm waking up at regular hours. It's back to normal. You're back That's to being here. Was yeah, Sarah so. like playing the nurse card, or was she like stay the fuck yeah. away? No, she was really good about it. She, um, I mean, I felt bad because I really couldn't eat anything she was making, but she's making some fire foods. She made homemade chicken soup that was like incredible. That actually hit the spot when I wasn't even hungry. So yeah, she was awesome during the whole process. Got to give it up to her. Great work, Sarah. That's uh, super Sarah. It's right there. Yeah. It was uh, definitely alone. good. I was thinking if I was by myself, it, it would have been tough because I, I couldn't do anything for myself. Ooh. Damn. That just, that yeah. just sent a chill down Mike's spine right there as he's <laughs> self-quarantined in New York. But, dude, I just uh, – That's like, you just seem, that you're, you're a resilient man. I, I think you're good. I'm a resilient man. Don't be throwing that this way, Dan. I, I don't like <laughs> Well, I'm I'm calling you I'm calling you resilient. That has nothing to yeah, do with resilient, any virus. I want that far away. That I don't want that around me. I'm hoping when you got me sick <laughs> in Arizona last month that that was its own version of that and just built up our immune systems. 
That's true. That's Mike and I part. did. Yeah, Mike and I were actually COVID nineteen recovered patients well before you, Corey. I mean, not to, was, not to knock awesome. you off your high horse. I didn't. Yeah. I literally <laughs> had like four days of. I'm usually someone that you know gets sick, you know, once twice a year, and I recover in a day or two tops. This thing, I was on my ass for four days, and I it was like a vicious cold slash something, and definitely not the normal cold. So I I don't know what it was, but who knows? Dan you might have. Been- you probably, yeah, you probably had it, Mike. I I feel like you know. Before it was really a thing. What's crazy is, Corey, you're kind of just now, even though you've obviously already been quarantined because you actually had the virus, your mind was probably so out of sorts, just focusing on trying to like feel comfortable that you weren't thinking about the fact that, oh man, I can't even leave my house. Now, like join the rest of us. Well, you're about, yeah, welcome to quarantine life. But here's the thing, Corey. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong here, but now that you've had it and recovered, you can't infect anybody with it. And like, isn't that even, isn't that completely impossible at this point? I believe so. I think what they said after you, once you're fully recovered and you don't have a fever for three days uh, straight, then you're supposed to be good. And that's usually after like a 14 day quarantine. So they told me on Friday that, you know, at that point I could go out, wear a mask um, but like do things I need to do if I need to go grocery shopping and, and whatnot essentials. So now, but even like, like I was saying, like my first workout, it was, it was brutal. I couldn't breathe at all. It was tough. Uh, but today it was like the first one I kind of felt back to normal. Do you just do like an, an apartment workout, like in your apartment? Yeah. I downloaded, um, like the beach body app. They, they do two weeks free and it has like all the insanity at home workouts, so I've just been doing those just to get moving and start sweating again. I mean, I was completely just <laughs> not – I wasn't moving for 15, 16 days straight. That was, like, the worst part about all of it. Wow. Well, I forgot about those it's insanity just workouts. Those used yeah. to kick my ass. I haven't done they one of those my in ass. years. Yeah, those are sick. Uh, Dan, any food news? The first news I have was, I mean, th- these are just like thing, like happenings, I guess. So a woman played a twisted prank at a Pennsylvania grocery store Wednesday by purposely $35,000 worth of food that all had to be thrown out. And she was charged with four felonies. And one of them was a terrorist threat. That was one of the felony charges that she was charged with. So... You know, I think there's just people out there that don't understand that now is not a time to, like, try and be funny in an idiot type of way. Whereas, like, you know, six months ago, those types of things, there was, there was, a, there was a niche out there for that. There was, like, enough people that would be like, oh, yeah, like, rebel against society. That's funny. But even people that are normally those types of people now don't find that type of stuff acceptable. Like everyone, actually there's this girl that I'm friends with on Facebook who I don't know, but just one of the randoms that I've friended over the years and running the site. And she is one of these girls that, you know, has had some issues in her life. And she's one of those girls that like used to be all about like the anarchy 
idea for just no government and things like that. And she's been very active about posting stats about the coronavirus and different like news articles that are coming out. And she posted something interesting like yesterday that was basically like, wow, I used to think that I wanted like an anarchy world. But now that this is happening, it's making me realize how much I appreciate like an order government where like people aren't able to like go out and be shitheads and like affect the rest of the world. And I just thought it was super interesting because that was just somebody that is normally the type of person that's so against society. And it's just like, you know, you have those people coming out being like, don't be an idiot. So someone who's going to spit all of her food. I mean, it's just like, you gotta be, you gotta have something actually wrong. It's already doing that. It's not like they're changing their mindset. They're already screwed up to, you know, when all of a sudden, pandemic happens it's not like they're coming to their senses and then this also made my news radar this is actually local news for me being in charleston but this was like a national story and that's that a restaurant in charleston was accused of buying frozen pizza from costco and reselling them for delivery at a 700 percent markup i'm not going to mention the restaurant because who knows if it's actually true but apparently the owner of the restaurant was seen going from Costco to his apartment and then out on the deliveries with these pizzas that he was buying them for in groups, two fifty a pizza and selling them for 20 bucks. And apparently the restaurant just started offering these pizzas on Saturday and that wasn't normally what they were selling. So some people are hating that. Some are calling it genius. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll let our listeners debate over that. Um, the only other thing, and this is, obviously going to be an ongoing narrative, but there's no doubt that um, some of these high-end, not high-end, but these national chains are coming out and saying that they're not going to be able to pay rent. Places like Cheesecake Factory, Subway, these places are hitting, yeah, Applebee's, they're leaning on their mortgages and basically, or their landlords and just saying like, hey, we can't pay rent. And that's one of those situations where if you're the landlord, you're just screwed because it's not like you're going to evict Cheesecake Factory. Like they've been probably with you for 15 to 20 years. If you do evict them, good luck getting anyone else in there right now. So you almost have to. And this is where it's interesting because if you're a business and you have vendors, there's so much give and take right now because if someone's like, hey, I can't pay this, like, what are you going to do? We're, we're almost in this lawless period where, yeah, you could evict them. You're not going to get anyone else in. And good luck even trying to evict them. Well, like, morally, how do you feel about that? In a lot of situations right now, evict somebody. I think that's, a, you know, an executive order in, in a lot of, maybe it's everywhere at this point in certain circumstances. I think that's off the table. Yeah, so even like with mom and dad, their lease ends in uh, in June, and they were trying to go month to month because, you know, this probably isn't going to be over until maybe June, and they wouldn't even let them do that. And it's like, well, what's the alternative? You're just going to kick them out? It's not like they can go to other apartments. They're all closed. No, they can't actually you know? kick them out. So that's, that's where, that's the interesting thing about that. Just a lot of people are not confrontational where they won't get to that point, but there is not much a landlord can do with what's going on at the moment for the short term. But obviously people have to still pay their rent. It's just if they can't pay it on time, you know. Yeah, what are you going to do? (laughs) Yeah, they're not working. Hive just decided to close their restaurant until the uh, stay-at-home order is over. That kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
Say, more and more restaurants are doing that every day. It's not surprising. They're probably seeing how they do with just being open for delivery and takeout. And, you know, some of them yeah. probably do enough and others don't. Yeah. I think you'll see a lot of restaurants just realize, wait a minute, I'm, you know, talk about winners like the Talanax of the world with the cloud kitchens. You got to think some restaurants are going to reevaluate their thought process on storefronts after this. Yeah. We just had, um, like one of these big Asian catering companies in Boulder reach out to us today. And I had never even heard of them, but when I looked them up, it seems like they're pretty established place that does again, like catering Asian orders, like homemade, you know, 150, 200 size orders of like authentic Asian food. I'm pumped to get them on hungry Bob's. That'll be a cool That's restaurant awesome. for us. It was really crazy to see, um, you know, every week we get a list of all the restaurant contacts it was just insane to see that there is like 40 restaurants in the last two weeks that just contacted us. And that was just who contacted us through the Lodell portal. I mean, just, you know, usually it's a handful of restaurants, but just within the two weeks, it was literally between 30 and 40 restaurants. Um, it, just wild to see. It's, Dude, it's to the point where I'm checking the contact reports as much as I check the stock market right now. And I used to look at that like once every two weeks. Now I'm like every every 10 minutes, I'm like, do we have a new contact? Do we have a new contact? Let's go. And it's usually there. Yeah, it, it's been great as far yeah. as that. But crazy times. Yeah, I think for the food delivery business, this should be a, a good thing for us long term. Yeah. It'll be interesting. interesting. It's probably, yeah, it's definitely better in certain markets than other markets. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, with all the colleges closed, a big part of our business is college students. A lot of them probably aren't even in the towns right now. Then you look at Boulder, yeah. a big part of our business is like business office lunch orders that aren't happening because the offices are all closed. It's a, like we're getting new users from people that don't normally order. But then, you know, our bread and butter also can't really order right now. So yeah. we're we're going to escape through this with a, with a couple of cuts, but we'll get through it. Like blood wounds and, you know, bruises, battle wounds. We'll survive. Battle wounds. Yep. Part of the game. Uh, Corey, how about food for thought? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about comfort food since everyone's quarantined. Uh, I read an article in the New York Post the other day, and basically – all comfort foods that were actually dying a few months ago and in 2019 are making a strong comeback. So if you look at like frozen pizzas and not just like the cauliflower pizzas, frozen pizzas, like Stouffer's, um, the cookie and brownie brands that you just toss in the oven, um, milk in general, milk, red meat, all the comfort foods are pretty much making a comeback. And I just think it's interesting that um, you know, as soon as you go into a quarantine or, or some craziness happens, people just lose routines and they don't care anymore and kind of just go back to their old ways. But if you guys remember, I mean, Dean's Milk filed for bankruptcy. A bunch of milk brands in 2019 filed for bankruptcy and, you know, junk food was kind of like on its way out almost. And now this quarantine is it's making all these old brands thrive again. So yeah. I just wanted to see what you guys think about what, what have your comfort foods been and what have you guys been eating? Is there any go-to meal? I've literally, since the coronavirus has started, I have had an ice cream Oreo sandwich every single night. Is Danny giving you shit? <laughs> I can 
be her not giving you knocking that like the sweet tooth Dan thing. At, like there at some point, it's like that's fun on weekends, but when that turns into a well, nightly, no. and you're going to be getting a gut well, there. First <laughs> off, I've been also hold on. Let me let me follow that up with. I've been running, I think six miles every day. I've turned into like a freaking marathon runner with all of this. There's this awesome path on the swamp across from where I live. And I've just like, I've been running my ass off. So it's almost like the opposite. I might need to eat two of these ice cream sandwiches at night to like keep from floating away. But no, I'll be (laughs) honest, Danny, I'm a bad influence on Danny because we go to the grocery store and she's going to the fresh produce aisle and getting all these vegetables. And I am just like, getting everything in sight that looks good and then we come back and then she's like oh man these cookies look good like let me have four of them and i'm like yep that's See, what that's i'm talking about i'm the same way with as danny with that where it's like i don't need that unless it's in front of me and then it's like oh yeah. an oreo i'll take two or four of those and that that's yeah. the thing like that's what i've realized with the food discipline with me why i avoid grocery shopping because when I go grocery shopping, I just get a bunch of shit that I eat that I don't eat if I don't grocery shop. So food delivery has kept me fit, ironically. And I don't think a lot of people can say that. <laughs> I, I agree with you. The other thing yeah. I'll say is I've probably drinking more wine than water since this all started. And <laughs> I, I've been like going that online. I kind of have. I don't know. But – I, I am not drinking enough water. When you brought up that 15-minute comment earlier, I remember hearing that too because it like formulates in your throat and that washes it down. I need to step up my game. Sorry I'm, to I'm just, I got to take a leak and get a bottle of water myself. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I, I look at this as like an acceptable time to have a drink every single night and sometimes yeah. too, you know? I mean, why not? At this point, there's nothing going on. No one has anything to do. I feel like people's schedules are all out of whack, waking up whenever. I mean, everyone's working from home, and no one has to commute. So you just get up, throw on sweatpants, and go about your day. We're obviously used to that, but I feel like the whole world's kind of in the same boat. No, for sure. That's the other thing I've been trying to do a little bit more lately, a little bit, is like not rock sweatpants all day, every day. I feel like when I get up and I just throw on a pair of sweats and a t-shirt, I'm just already in my mind like, all right, what time to just bum around. So instead, it's like I've been trying to get up, get that sweat in, and then like maybe put on a pair of jeans where I just feel like a real person. And then I'm just like naturally a little bit more productive in my mind where it's like, oh, let's get some shit done. I'm wearing jeans. Yeah. And actually, like, I feel like since we've always worked from home, I'm, I'm kind of like in that routine normally. It's like, I don't want to feel like a bum normally. So I do try to get dressed and like go about my day. Like I'm, you know, not working from home. So, but yeah, for everyone else, I feel like they're probably loving this whole not getting dressed for work, not commuting, but for us, yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, my freshman year of college. I went to take an exam, and this girl in my class who was like an upperclassman came into the exam dressed like a hardcore professional. And I was like, whoa, like, why are you dressed like that? She's like, you know, if you, if, if you dress like to be successful, you're going to be more successful. So I always dress up a lot when I go and take a test and then I test better. This is what she told me. And I'll never forget that. This was, you know, 12 years ago. And that just, don't get me wrong. I don't follow that. I, I never do that, but it's like it the look good, feel good mentality. Head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I take that uh, off course. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, guys, we have uh, 10 minutes before we've got Andrew Bellucci coming on. Figure we should dive into Danny Myers uh, setting the table a bit. It obviously goes hand in hand with our business, with hospitality. And he, you know, built this restaurant behemoth and owned Shake Shack. And I'm sure, as we've even seen, he's been impacted by this with having to do a lot of layoffs in his business and uh, setting the table it, when you really break it down, he combined his passion for fine dining and hospitality by opening his own restaurant. Um, he grew up with a passion for international food. His dad had a deal with an airline that allowed the family to fly around the world inexpensively. So his palate was very diverse from a young age because he was able to travel all over the place and really, you could tell, had a passion for eating uh, just testing things out. So he went, eventually decided to create his own restaurant, which would serve the best cuisine that he saw as a child throughout his travels in Europe. That's uh, how uh, Union Square Cafe came to fruition. And, you know, long story short, this guy built a behemoth through his mentality about hospitality. Uh, I think the hospitality, though, it, it wasn't only about hospitality with people, but also with process, which I thought was interesting with him, where he was such a, a attention to detail kind of guy where that also helped keep things in sync with his culture and his people. To, and it all funneled back to putting the person first. So I thought that was really interesting. I uh, wanted to break down with you guys since we're in this time now, obviously, where restaurants are going through so much turmoil you're seeing a lot of people trying to support them anywhere they any way they can. Some have set up GoFundMe's. We've obviously done a donation roundup for customers to be able to donate to help this coronavirus. What do you guys take from this, though, in terms of where hospitality has been and how it's going to transform from this whole pandemic? Because it seems like people are starting to shift their gears a bit with how isolated everyone's been. Could this be a great thing for hospitality again? Because it seems like we kind of went, we're in that fuck you culture for a while. Yeah, and and before I even dive into this, I did just want to mention, which is crazy, the guy who the chef of Tablo, which was one of Danny Meyer's restaurants, he actually died of coronavirus last week. His oh. name was Floyd Floyd Cardoz, and he was like fifty five. He was the one who opened up that Indian restaurant. Um, and it, it was a huge hit. I think he had it for about 12 years before it went out. And it was, I think it was his only restaurant that actually failed, but it was after a decade long process. But yeah, he, he died last week of it. And uh, I just saw that in the news and thought that was crazy. Um, but awful. back to what you're saying, yeah. I mean, I think people are definitely going to be also more, you know, every business they're going to be looking at. Um, how they're taking care of the customers and and are they wearing gloves like things you didn't think about are now going to be front and center and i think every business is going to have to take this very seriously and us we have the last say at the door i mean can we have you know is it something where we can have delivery drivers wear gloves on deliveries i mean we can't force them to do anything but is that something that you're going to be looking at now when you get a food delivery I've seen it out in every single delivery I've had. 
even when they yeah. leave it at the door through the people, they all have gloves on, which I'm sure for their own protection as well, right? Because they're, you know, covering a lot of ground. Yeah, we've been, uh, since they're independent contractors and not employees, what we offered to do and we have been doing is reimbursing drivers that go and buy themselves a mask and glove. Since legally, since they're not our employees, we're not allowed to provide it for them, but we could reimburse them if they get it through a partnership. So we've had a lot of drivers do that. It's um, But we've also been told from the different health officials that we've spoken to to actually not have our drivers wear gloves or masks which is interesting for all different reasons i've had several different conversations with the different health departments in all of our markets and they've all advised us to not do that some of the reasons have been because so the masks and gloves are kind of two separate things the masks are because they want all the masks to be left for people who have symptoms they're saying anyone that doesn't have symptoms shouldn't be wearing a mask period and the gloves there's a there's a, a study out there and a lot of people think that when people wear gloves it actually makes them like more careless and they're no longer thinking about keeping clean because they just assume because they're wearing gloves everything's fine so w- what we've been kind of being told is that by them not having gloves and instead practicing washing hands and sanitizing their hands that's going to make them actually more of what they're doing than wearing gloves so it's kind Maybe of interesting yeah it's interesting you bring that up dan i was reading that too where when you think about it when someone has gloves on they're naturally going to be touching their face more thinking that they're being kept a bay from germs but the reality is the germs are on the gloves so yeah it's not it really doesn't really good. help the customer it help yeah. it might help them specifically but it doesn't help the customer yeah. yeah. And as far as the hospitality thing, you know, it's uh, people, uh, Mike, you said something either yesterday or the day before that hit home. And we've always said this people want to feel good about themselves. So the only time most people are doing something that they think helps somebody else is if they're going to feel good about it. And that's where I kind of think that things are going to quickly get back to normal. And you have right now people coming out and talking like they're really trying to support local to keep businesses alive. I don't know if people really feel that way or if they're trying to just give themselves a feel good story. And if they go and shop at a local restaurant, they could go to sleep at night feeling like, Oh yeah, I supported the community. I agree with Corey that when things get back to normal, people are going to be more aware of health related things where even like, I don't know if I'm always going to think this, but like I said, with washing the hands or just any situation, like if I go to a sporting event, I'm just going to constantly be thinking like, oh man, there's probably somebody within five feet that if they breathe on me, I'm going to get sick. And I, I see that sticking with me more so than feeling the need to support local, which sucks because obviously I'd love to say like, oh man, this is going to be a huge win for us. Everyone's going to want to support local. Well, I I think it's more of a huge win for us off the notion of more people being introduced to food delivery that have now started trying it that never would have before. Not necessarily as much the go local as the net has been cast wider, right? Yeah, sure. Agreed. So, yeah. What's up? Yeah. No, I was going to say, we're we're seeing that too. We're definitely seeing a ton of new customers sign up. Obviously, our normal base isn't there, but even with the recognition we've had from the Facebook posts we've done in each one of our market, I mean, Bloomington and Boulder, those have like 
over a hundred shares each, I think, and like hundreds yeah, of yeah. likes and people commenting like every 10 minutes, like they've gotten so much traction. It's insane. And yeah. I, think, I was just going to say that. Yeah, man. And I think also even the, what we're t- testing with Melanie street and Flagstaff, the notion as we've seen over the years, guys, where anyone is consistently having conversations about us front and center, we win. All I was thinking about the whole time when I was reading the book was our customer service and like how it could improve and how this guy looked at hospitality as everything. And even the way he like kind of broke down service hospitality and it's like service is what you are and what you're providing. Hospitality is making your customers feel like you're on their side. And there were certain things I even took pictures of to kind of like send to Brianna and go over with the ninjas that were so like, you know, that guy honestly gave a great manual, even though that's not what he was trying to do on how to provide great customer service and like really put your customers first. I think that's a great point, Dan. I think he was kind of indirectly trying to do that. Like that was, he was kind of creating a roadmap for people to be like, hey, this is how you care. He said in the book, people will forget what you said and what you did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And yeah, I love that. I mean, that kind of just summarizes the whole hospitality thing up that he was going for. Yeah, I literally read, or after I read that last night, like I was talking to Brianna at like 10 o'clock and we were going back and forth. And I told her, I was like, listen, moving forward, because she's been the one who's kind of like the point of contact for the ninjas, like their main point of contact as of late. So it's not like, oh, who do we talk to or whatever. And I told her, I was like, listen, I want to make sure you're going through every single ticket, even ones that are closed out. And anytime a customer had a negative experience, like use your power to fix it. I want you to start sending me any email that's like a feel good email from a customer that you reached out to that then emailed you back being like, oh man, I wasn't going to use you guys, but because of this email, like I'm now going to use you because at the end of the day, it's like, Brianna, you have the power to fix any situation. You can credit customers. You could do whatever's needed. There should never be a customer that is fully done before having like a one-on-one with you that they walked away from being like, well, you know what? At least they really cared and tried. And that's something that I think we could be great at moving forward where there's not a single customer that will be able to say like that company didn't give a shit about me. Even if they didn't have a good experience, like at least they're going to leave being like, I didn't have a good experience, but afterwards, here's what happened. And this is why I'm going to try them again. And I think that's so important because like, if we don't have any customers fall through the cracks, we're going to grow like crazy. Well, those, yeah, couldn't agree more, Dan. That's our best brand advocates right there is a customer word of mouth off of positivity. That That's the yep. best marketing on the planet. That's how we built our business other, early on. For sure. Andrew Belushi will be coming on shortly. I'm curious to see if he's had any pizza today. Like, I always think about that as an owner of a pizza place, like how often I would actually eat pizza. Club Barbie's Pizza, is that a chain in, in New York? Could you, like, talk a little bit more about what that is? It's a well, famous spot. Um, I think he reopened Lombardi, so I don't think he started it, but I think he reopened it, and he can dive more into that when he comes yeah. on. Andrew Bellucci, great to have you on, man. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, for our listeners, Andrew is the owner of Lombardi's Pizza, and Andrew, your story, I was doing some homework on you. It's like a right out of a movie. I figure I'll let you dive into it because I, I didn't even know where to start here. You've been all over the planet. You delve into food. You've uh, you you're been featured in a movie recently. We're really excited to hear about what's going on. You recently just got back to New York, I heard. 
Yeah, I uh, I uh, finished up with uh, Joe's Pizza in uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, went out there in September. Um, they opened up their first U.S. store outside of uh, outside of New York. Decided to do it in Ann Arbor. A couple of the the, the partners had gone to Michigan, uh, so they had the in there. And it was supposed to be until December twentieth. And um, went out there with uh, with my cousin, uh, my cousin Chris. He uh, he's running the back of the house there, and I was there just for pure production, uh, knocking out pizzas uh, during the day. Would do maybe between seven hundred and a thousand pizzas a week. Um, so uh, it it got me into shape. It got me into pizza shape, and um, yeah, so. So came back, uh, came back to New York. I'm in Brooklyn. Uh, came back to New York uh, over Christmas, and um, yeah, then this uh, this movie thing. Um, it's called Untitled Pizza Movie, um, and it's uh, it's actually not a movie uh, anymore. It's a uh, it's a six part limited series. The first three episodes. Um, uh, premiered at Sundance. Uh, so yeah, so how does it feel? You seem pumped. I'm sorry. You seem really excited. That's a that must be quite the thrill. It's uh, yeah. I I mean, you know, I started in this uh, documentary 25 years ago. And um, it picked back up about three years ago. And frankly, I never thought that it would see the light of day. I mean, I just, you know, everybody says, yeah, they're doing documentaries. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's unbelievable how this thing came together. The director, uh, Dave Shapiro, uh, who, I, I, you know, he always said, trust in the process. And um, it was hard to trust that guy uh, sometimes, you know, doing things that uh, let's put it this way. It, it's not a puff piece. Um, so um, there were some uh, there were some difficult moments in it. Um, and I still haven't seen the last three parts. So um, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I'm um, I'm super excited uh, with this with this series. Um, I decided, uh, that New York was going to be in my future again. So, uh, so here I am. I'm just not sure about the timing. Uh, things are kind of nutty yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I saw you. I actually just moved back to New York myself when you did. So I thought that was pretty funny. I saw March 7th. I, I was here a couple days before. I mean, we picked quite the time to move back here, huh? Yeah. I, um, Man, I thought I was done with New York. I, uh, I, 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 I really, I really did. Um, I mean, I haven't been in New York that much uh, since 2000, uh, 2014. Uh, 2014, I got back into pizza. Um, went to uh, went to Malaysia. It was supposed to be a, a, a one year a one year contract, uh, and it turned into three years. Um, and, um, that really set the course for everything else that's, uh, that's, that's coming into play. 
And Andrew, take us through the Lombardies, like before Malaysia, you you started Lombardies back in 1994. So that's correct. Yeah, take us through the journey of what even got you in that mode. Were you always into food and what, what made you take that leap of faith to open your own pizza establishment? Okay, uh, probably because I didn't know any better. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I did it. Um, uh, my mother's French. Uh, so I spent uh, uh, a lot of time uh, over the summers growing up in France, and um, I, I'm I'm not going to give away everything. Uh, what led me to uh, to a career change, but in 1990 I decided uh, to go to France, and uh, basically spent two years there getting getting my ass kicked in uh, in French kitchens, and really really learned a lot. And after surviving the first six months, uh, decided, yeah, you know what, this is this is what I want to do, and uh, came back to New York in 1992. Uh, absolutely did not have any intention of doing anything with pizza. Um, uh, landed a couple of a uh, couple of decent jobs. Um, I was a chef at the uh, the original the original scores. I, I don't know if you oh, wow. guys. Rip yeah. yeah, we don't know about oh. that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you must this have was... a wild story. Give us your craziest horror story. I that, mean, that's that insane. Place, that place was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, we read the book on it. They had the, the guy, you know, that came out and wrote the whole book on scores, on the whole story. Oh. Not John Saliano. Damn, yeah, who was... it was. It was. No, yeah, it was. Uh, so how I opened the hottest strip club in New York City was extorted out of millions by the Gambino family and became one of the most successful mafia informants in FBI history by Michael D. Blutrich. It was like this Jewish guy that was partners with them in opening the strip club. And then apparently the FBI got to him and he started wearing a wire. The book is insane, man. You got to read it since you worked there. It was like the coolest ever. I have a little time. Maybe I, maybe I should read a book, but that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> wow. I, I knew the guy in Westchester pulling the strings, but you know what? I wasn't, I was cook. Uh, and, and, and cook, I did. And, um, I, um, did anyone have I, any special I, requests, Andrew? Like, did you have any celebrities that you knew that would come in and be like, Hey man, I want the regular, like do you, any certain go-to dishes for someone? Um, not, no, not, not, not that I, not that I remember to, to, to be honest. I remember when I was there, Mark Gastineau had a Super Bowl party there. Okay, uh, and that was exactly. yeah, that was I yeah, it, that was nuts. And I'm a big Jets fan, unfortunately, and uh, I, I me, love Marcus. me too. Unfortunately, yeah. big Jets yeah. fan. The New York yeah. Rangers celebrated their Stanley Cup there, and they left the Stanley Cup at Scores and had to come back and like get it a week later. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how Scores started. Is I mean. There were 32 big screen TVs. It was it was a strip club, but it was a sports bar, and it was like the best. It was the yeah, I mean that was the place for me back then because uh, New York was kind of crazy in the 90s, and uh, that was a perfect place to be. And yeah, so that was actually my next question. What what was like what was it like opening up um, a pizza place during that time in New York in the 90s, early 90s? Well, 
you know what? Um, where where we opened up at 32 Spring Street, let me give you an idea. Little, little, of, little, uh, little. Yeah, th that was definitely, well, you know what? It depended who you talked to. Uh, it was either called Little Italy or if they were trying to attract a different crowd, it was so even was on the wrong side, the wrong side of Broadway. Uh, this is before Nolita, uh, whoever coined, you know, yeah. no, Nolita. This is, this, yeah, this is before But I can tell you in the, the lease that I negotiated, the rent for the, for the store, 45 seats, was $1,800 a month. Wow. Yeah. That was 94. Yeah, that was in 1994. Um, so oh, that wild. was, that was not a choice area that, that was absolutely not a choice area. If you walk down to the end of Spring Street, which, you know, we're at number 32. So it's just, uh, what, Mott and, uh, uh, Elizabeth and then, uh, you know, then, then you're, you're, you're on Bowery. The Bowery back then was not Crazy. like what it is, what it is now. I mean, there were all the, the short-time hotels there and, uh, you know, a, a lot of homeless. I mean, that's where the uh, term Bowery is. Yeah, and then I also wanted to ask, so I started basically how I came across your page. I know Anthony from Three of Cups, and I started, you know, I followed him. And, um, and I know, I think he posted a picture saying, you know, something great about you. And I started following you. And that's kind of how this whole relationship and that's how you're on this podcast now. So I, I did want to say, so what did you do for Three of Cups? Because that is that was one of my favorite places ever. Best brunch, best pizza. I mean, I would go there constantly. So, yeah. Tell, tell us more about Three of Cups. OK, the way that I got to the Three of Cups, I worked at the uh, the original Two Boots when I decided I wanted to get into pizza. Uh, I, I had done some pizza in, in Soho at an American restaurant. It, it was very, very well received, but that was just like a, a bar menu thing. And when I decided, you know what, I think I can make my name in pizza, but you got to do it in the pizzeria. I got the job at Two Boots and they didn't give me the hours that I wanted. And, um, one of the pizza guys said there said, Hey, a uh, couple of the guys who used to work here opened up their own place, uh, not too far, First Avenue and Fifth Street. It's a wood-burning oven. It's the first wood-burning oven in the East Village. I think they're looking for somebody over there. Why don't Why don't you go over there and uh, ask for uh, Santo or Lenny, and um, and and see what they can do? So I took a walk over there, uh, met Lenny, uh, who was the um, he was really the pizza guy there. I mean, they they, they all did pizza. Uh, Santo Santos still does pizza. He's a, yeah. a great 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 pizza guy. I mean, he developed the formula for uh, for two boots. And um, yeah, we hit it off. They gave me a couple of shifts. Two boots found out that I was working there. Um, really didn't like it. And uh, I said, "Can you give me full time here?" They said, "No." I said, "Okay, go fuck yourself." And uh, <laughs> went full-time uh with the three of cups and um yeah. so i made pizza there up until really the day before we opened up lombardi's got it and what was that aha moment andrew like what was there a day you woke up and it's like i need to do my own thing here with my own shop i yeah i just i 
book, I, I wanted recognition. I, I it, it's something, and it was to me, it was just so simple. It's pizza in New York, and now this is pre-internet, so it, it, it's so much easier now to find out information. But back then, if you wanted to figure something out, I mean, I always went to the library. So when I undertake something, I just I had a single vision. I wanted to make the best pizza that I could. So I researched everything, everything, everything I could get my hands on on pizza. I, I read every magazine article, newspaper article, anything I could get my hands on. And I kept reading that Lombardi's was the first pizzeria in the United States, right? At the original location on at 53 Spring Street. And I kept, I saw this in the New York Times. I saw this, I, I, I just saw this everywhere and, and, and over the course of many decades. So I went over to 53 Spring Street and it's closed. There's, there's nothing there. So, I mean, I'm not a PR genius, but to me, Pizzeria in New York, it's the first one. I think that has some type of marketing value. So put, you know, put together put together a package and and slowly but surely I, I i found out who owned the building how to get uh in who it, it was uh Gennaro lombardi the original guy's uh, grandson and um i i wound up uh getting a meeting with him we met at the south street seaport and uh i i said look this is i make pizza i have no money I want to open up a pizza spot. I don't understand why your spot's not open. Uh, let's do something. And um, it took it took two years, but got it done. Wow, I love it. So how? It says, what is your affiliation with Lombardi's now? Are you still involved at all, or no? I've been involved with them in no, no, in uh, in in a long, long time. It says here, when I was reading up about the documentary a little bit, it says that you're a passionate chef whose humble beginnings as a short-ordered cook at a bingo parlor. Is that a, is that a nice way of saying scores? Were you calling <laughs> scores a bingo parlor, or is this something else? No, no, that was when I was 15, four, oh. uh, 15 or 16 years old in, in, in New Jersey. So, yeah, that was... Yeah, I guess that was my first professional experience. So where'd you grow up in Jersey? We're actually, Dan and Mike are from Washington. Uh, I'm from Manalpin. Uh, yeah, I'm not too, too familiar with that area. Um, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I, mean I, I, know, I know Jersey Jersey pretty good. Uh, fourth generation Jersey City. My great-grandfather came over from Italy and settled in Jersey City. And... Wow. Uh, Jersey City in the '60s in yeah, our neighborhood I mean, was kind of uh, yeah. Jersey you know, City ten years ago, five years ago, still pretty rough, depending where you yeah, are. We, you know what, where 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 we were, uh, it's it's it still hasn't. It, it's not like you know the downtown area. It's uh, it's still uh, it still has has a ways to go. But right. um, yeah, my family escaped uh, Jersey City for the safer confines of Bayonne. Um, okay. So that's, that's, yeah, that's where I went to grammar school. Uh, I have a lot of love for Bayonne. It's a great, 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 um, great little, I, I, it's like a little town. 
but then my folks bought a, a house in uh, Lake Apaca in uh, Jersey, in um, Morris County. Um, so I, I went to high school out there, uh, Morris Catholic in uh, Denville. And uh, I did a couple of years at, uh, then it was called Glassboro State in South Jersey. Now it's called Rowan. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. And so what's been going on, what's been going on uh, since this whole Corona thing happened, Andrew? Like, what's going on in your life now? Take us through a day in the life. Yeah, it's, uh, man, it's, this is really, it's really fucking annoying. I mean, you <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly what to believe, um, but I'm just trying to live my life as as normally as as possible. Um, I mean, I, I get outside every day. Uh, I walked. Uh, I walked about three miles earlier today. Uh, I'll probably do another couple uh, couple miles uh, after after dinner. Um, but I'm taking this opportunity to uh, work on some recipes. I made a I made a, a vodka sauce that I'm really happy with uh, a riff on mm. what we used to do at uh, what or what they do at Ruby Rosa. Um, it's my favorite. Was the One Jeff- of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just such a great place. Such a uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, really really good. So- um, yeah, working on you know menus, social media, uh, working on a couple of articles. I'm like 200 pages into um, my story, uh, like a mix, uh, like the real history of Lombardi's, because Lombardi's really wasn't uh, the first pizzeria in in the United States. Um, a lot of stuff has come out uh, about that, and it's a lot easier to find documentation now with the internet. Um, you know, it's so all the information is out there. So burning question here. We were talking about this before. Being a pizzeria owner, consultant, you're around pizza all the time. How often do you eat it? Um, when I'm working at a place, uh, when I'm at a place, I eat it every day. I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, you, you just. You, you, you have to. I mean, you can kind of see how it's going to be, you know, with, with, with the dough. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to have it have it every day. The last time I had a slice, uh, maybe like five days ago. Uh, oh, that's on, 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 Come on. Yeah. Well, okay. Got uh, Have you, uh, being quarantined, have you been, do you make pizza at home? I, no, I don't. I don't like making pizza at home. Uh, I I don't like making anything at home. To to I mean I do. Uh, <laughs> so are you but, a food delivery guy? Do you love food delivery? Um, no. I like to go out and eat. That's the I, no. I'm not at all a delivery guy. I I go out and 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 eat. And now I so kind of can't. How about that. during these circumstances? Are you uh, trying delivery out of just being inconvenienced, not being able to go out or just. No, uh, I don't think we've had delivery. I don't think we've had delivery once. Um, I'm just, I'm not a big delivery guy. I hate when pizzas are delivered. I, 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 I mean, I understand it. And just once it hits a box, it, it, it totally changes what it is. And so I, 
yeah, I mean, we're cooking, you know, we're, we're cooking at home and, and eating too much. And, and, and yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I made some pasta last night. I think my wife's cooking some fried rice now or doing something uh, that, that we'll have. And, and there we go. Andrew, are you aware that you are currently on a podcast with three guys that run a food delivery app? <laughs> I, what I wasn't thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna have well, to give delivery a shot one of these days. I, yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> it's such a huge for Joe's thing. Delivery is huge there. Um, it's so, yeah. Hey, sorry, Andrew. That's another thing. So let's dive into uh, to Joe. So what was, what is your affiliation? I know you've consulted for them. Is it? Tell us about the. Is it from the Joes in New York? Obviously. Yeah, um, I can tell you after after my three years in uh, in Malaysia. So I came back uh, came back to New York two two thousand seventeen. And um, I was contacted by by those guys. They had just opened up in Shanghai, um, uh, a, a Joe's a Joe's in Shanghai, and uh, they saw that I was in Malaysia for three years. And and they, they um, you know they they picked my brain a bit, and um, I really hit it off with the guy. Super super great uh, great guy running the operation in uh, in Shanghai, and. Um, they said, "Why don't you come out here and um, and and let's see what we can do." And um, at that time, uh, it looked like it was going to be a long-term opportunity. Uh, they were looking at opening up uh, a lot of stores, um, like 80 stores throughout uh, throughout mainland China, and um, I guess uh, including Hong Kong, Taiwan, um, but uh it didn't work out that way uh there's they're still still going but you know there's different issues uh the food costs are really really high there uh with the tariffs uh on imported stuff because everything there let me tell you the slice in shanghai tastes exactly like it does um like like it does in new york and um, that's that's what I love about Joe's. They they don't compromise on on their on their brand. Um, if, if they shipped the white paper plates from New York to China, just that's so crazy. Would be, yeah, I mean it's that attention to detail that um, that 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 really puts them in a place where where they are. I was in Shanghai. I was in Shanghai for a month last year because my girlfriend was working for Disney in Shanghai, so she was down there for like a year and a half. I wish I knew that Joe's Pizza was in Shanghai because I did not find a good slice of pizza there at all. That would have helped. Matters. Yeah, I had I had uh, I had a couple couple slices there. Um, yeah, not definitely no real New York slices. Um, yeah, you can get, you know, Neapolitan and, 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 and a couple of different styles. Um, real right now, like thin crust Roman is really big in Asia. Uh, like that's, that's what, that's what, that, that's the trend. Then it'll jump on another trend. But yeah, Shanghai, I, I, I don't know any other parts of mainland China, uh, but Shanghai is a, was a pretty cool city. Very 25 million people. 
uh, great food, great food culture there. Uh, Are you a big uh, dumpling guy, Andrew? I uh, love dumplings, sure. Now we're talking. I mean, what, what's your favorite kind? Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I do know actually. I'm when I'm when I want to see the quality of a place, I always go for the simplest thing. When I go to a pizza place, I always ask for a regular cheese slice. So with the dumplings, I'll go with pork and chive because I want to see what you can do with that pork and chive. Because everybody else has the same, has the access. And that's the thing. That's the thing that also excites me really about pizza. Everybody has access to all of the same ingredients. There's nothing, there's nothing magic. So really it's technique. It's what you do, what you do with 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 those ingredients. And the simpler, the simpler, the 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 fewer ingredients, the more, the more important your technique is. So yeah, give give me the uh give me the pork and chive every time. See, I, I, that's yeah. a seat and bet move there, folks, for those listening, to go with mm-hmm. the simplest menu item to really feel a place out. Like, I always think, Andrew, if a, play, a Japanese place has really good miso soup, you know you're in for some great sushi. And if not, it's like bread in an Italian restaurant. If this bread coming out with the water sucks, it might be time to get up and leave, right? That's exactly right. Exactly right. If, if you can't if you can't do that right, then 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 that's it. I mean, in France, if 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 you're testing out, you know, in a kitchen, one one of the things they'll say is make me make me an omelet, make me uh, uh, do something with an egg, do whatever you want with an egg. They're really big on on eggs there, because how I do my soft scrambled eggs, and I'll put my soft scrambled eggs up against anybody's. Anybody's. That's wow. that's. <laughs> That's technique, you know, that's technique. And it doesn't just come, it comes from experience. It, it comes from a lot of failure and, and building on that failure and, and, and just being maniacal in your, in your vision and saying, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to do. So, Andrew, you're so, like the Tom Brady of soft scrambled eggs pretty much <laughs> when you really break this down. I, say, say again? You're basically like my analogy is the Tom Brady of the soft scrambled egg world. That's, uh, man, I fucking hate Brady and 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 the Patriots, but I'll take that compliment. I appreciate it. <laughs> there we go. So, and yeah. you obviously had a very crazy career. What what would you say the highlight of your pizza career was, or is? Uh, I. I'm I'm working towards the ultimate highlight. Um, certainly Lombardi's. Uh, just just for me, when chefs would come into Lombardi's from really really top restaurants, that 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 was that, that's for me that's that's a real highlight. You know, uh, Daniel Boulot coming in, um, Danny Meyer coming in. Um, oh, I loved when Bill Murray came in, uh, but wow. just getting getting the top 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 creme de la creme restaurateurs in that to me is a real highlight. That's an honor. Uh, you know, and what would you say, Andrew, if your last meal on Earth, what would it be? Like, no matter you know, calories don't matter. Obviously, throw some dessert in there if you want. Death row meal. Yeah, um, 
I can tell you every birthday I do uh, rigatoni and meatballs. That's my, I always say if I'm going to the electric chair, that's, that's my last meal. I think, I, I think I'm going to stick with that. Just, I, I like it. Rigatoni. It's stay simple. Yeah. And that, Hey man, it's a I classic. Is any yeah. like a ch chocolate pie or something? Slice of cake? Uh, uh, I, I go with a cheesecake. Okay. Mindy's. Yeah. Andrew, you know, we've been uh, thinking just a bunch about how to, you know, help restaurants survive during this time and just like different things they could be doing. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were. We've been thinking about, or I haven't even brought this up to you guys, but I I've just been thinking about the idea of like approaching some of the restaurants in town that I know are a little bit crafty with their cooking and suggesting the idea of hosting a virtual cooking class where like each night of the week, or maybe you do it every single night, you basically do a little cooking class where you're teaching your customers how to make a different dish on your menu as a way to supplement income during this time when people aren't coming to restaurants. Do you think that would work? You think people would pay for that? I, you know what? I think with this, uh, with this stimulus package that's coming, right? So people, people are going to start having, having, some some income right or some some more disposable income jesus i don't think i listened to your last podcast right to today so things have really changed in the, in, in the last week it, it looked like it was going to be a shorter thing but it doesn't look like it's going to be a shorter thing right it looks uh, we got all of april we're not even in it, right so yeah i think that's i i people need to be able to pivot you know, I, I just I sustainability is another question because I don't know, you know, rents are so expensive. Uh, you just have to wring every every dollar out, but you should do something. And I think that's a great idea. I, I, I think people you can only you, you need some diversion. And um, yeah, I, I think a live live class like that would be would be great. There's, I would take one. I mean, there's uh, there, there's definitely dishes that I'd I'd love to see how how people do it. Yeah, and they can like send out in the morning, like, hey, here are the ingredients you need. The cooking class is going to be at this time. Get the ingredients, and then boom, right. six p.m. We all have it. We all make it together. It, it seems like because I've been doing these virtual. Well, I did one today, like a workout class, F45, which is one of these big in-person training classes. Obviously, can't do it now. So they do these virtual ones where you can watch it on your phone and do it along. And I'm like, oh man, like you could almost do this in any industry, right? Sure, of course. And um, yeah, it, it's times like these that, that that bring out really great innovation. Uh, because you have to, <laughs> you know, you, there, there's, there, there's only a couple of choices here. You, you either move forward or you just sit there and, and, and let other people figure things out. So, yeah, I think that's a, a, a great move. And I think you brought up an interesting point about pivoting. That's something I think all humans are really good at and don't even realize it. And that's something we all have to do right now. It's just adapting to a, a different era and being crafty so it's cool you brought that up the power of the pivot yeah i mean there's a bar i don't even know the name of it i walked past it yesterday so i'm i'm uh, right on the corner uh, on uh, the border of uh, crown heights and, and bed-stuy uh 
so so I'll usually walk down and and well, it de- de- depends where. But uh, yeah, this bar had their menu outside saying we have all these drinks, right? Uh, like draft beer, but everything is to go. But they had they would serve it through a window, and there were two people standing there with with like paper cups drinking whatever whatever the cocktail was uh outside and i mean i want to patronize them and and maybe i'm going to walk down there but then are you supposed to social distance are you not supposed (laughs) to be out i mean i don't i i don't i don't know what to what what to do but these are people who I want to support. I can tell you I'm supporting the, the wine stores in the neighborhood quite a lot, a little, little bit more maybe than I do. <laughs> there we go. Helps keep you sane through all this uh, isolation yeah. lockdown. You, you and yeah. Dan both. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, we really you appreciate you coming on, man. And hopefully yeah. uh, you stay healthy out there. And hopefully we can get some pizza soon. Andrew, Absolutely. to close this out. What, sure. what would be the one one wine that you would pair with a pie pizza? Of course, it depends on the pizza. Uh, red sauce, white, clam. I'll tell you what. I love champagne. Love champagne <laughs> and pizza. Wow. There we like go. That. That'll be a good celebration when this lockdown ends. Champagne and pizza, baby. Yep. Champagne and pizza. That'll be uh, yeah, once the lockdown is over and we start uh, making a more permanent pivot, the uh, the bottle will be popped. And Andrew, before we get you off here, where can everybody see the documentary? Um, that's a good question. Uh, the, I don't know uh, who's picking it up. Um, I, 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 I don't I don't know. Um, we'll keep us posted and we'll, we'll keep the listeners uh, tuned in. I'm sure everyone wants to hear, see this thing. This sure, sure, sure. Tiger. You know, I mean, when I was at Sundance, <laughs> with people from HBO and, and uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of buzz with this thing. So that's why I came back to New York. I, I think, um, I think this, uh, this is going to get me my next highlight. All right, we're, wow. we're excited to see this come to fruition. That's the Appreciate awesome. you having on. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I'm going to order some delivery now. Now there we go. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Enjoy <laughs> that. Right. All right. Take, right. take care. All right. Take care, boys. Well, yeah. Good job, guys. It's uh, my stomach's churning. I think it's about to be dinner time here. I haven't eaten at all today. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting to that point. I, I need to see some sunshine. It's getting yeah. to that. I know. I mean, this weather on top of it is just brutal. It's been so gross every day. Oh, man. I know. That, that's that been the biggest. It's been literally out of a sci-fi movie walking around where it's just like, damn, this is really even seeing like the cavalry come in where you see this big ship. I got to send you guys. My buddy sent me this eerie photo of like a medic ship coming in. I yeah, saw, I saw that yesterday. It's yeah. huge. It's almost like it feels like we're in a war with a country right now. You know, like that's the only time you see it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So at least it's not with bombs going off in the sky because that that you would never think in our lifetimes you would actually see that. But stay. uh, Well, yeah, Corey, great to have you back. Yeah, congratulations. Beating the disease, man. That's awesome. (laughs) 
Thanks, guys. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Really? In like 50 years from now, you're going to like sit back and tell your grandchildren like, yeah, I beat the coronavirus. <laughs> and it's going to be a thing. Gonna, it is. Really? That's quite the story. And also, guys, on that note, everybody listening, we'd really appreciate if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, go give it a subscribe now. Much appreciated. Until next time, we actually have Uncle Al Mansfield coming on to go over Diamond Blade Warehouse tomorrow. So what's cool is, before we cut out here, Dan brought up the notion yesterday of why not just open the floodgates with guests since we're all locked down anyway. So we're doing just that and getting way more guests on and more recording. So stay tuned, folks. Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdale, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.